0: Open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter five. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up the Bible in front of you and the pew back Bible in front of you. You can open up, if you're really cool, not me, open up your Bible app on your phone. If you don't own a Bible, you can grab that pew back Bible in front of you. You can take it with you. That's yours. That's our gift to you. Cause here at the chapel, we study God's word. We love God's word. We read God's word and we live God's word out. If you take the Pewback Bible, you can open up to page eight ten. We're in Matthew chapter five. We're going to be in verses thirty three to thirty seven. Again, you have heard that it was said to you to those of old, "You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn." But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Verse 36, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Last verse, 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So we find ourselves in an interesting passage, right? When I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is a breeze. This is easy, right? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, about two weeks, yeah, was it two weeks ago? I preached on um, divorce and remarriage. That was great, right? We all loved that one. Um, and it was difficult, but also it also was like a hot topic, right? Because, because you know, we, divorce is a reality in our culture. Divorce is a reality in the church, the big C church. And oftentimes, like, we have to answer these questions because the Bible is really explicit. If you read the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament, God, does, God doesn't really like divorce. In fact, the Bible says God hates divorce. So what are we going to do? So we have to answer all these questions, right? And, and last week, the time that I was preaching on divorce wasn't an opportunity to talk about what the what ifs. What if he did this? What if she did that? What if this happened? What, it wasn't wasn't to talk about that. It was to talk about that one passage. I come to this passage, and you're like, oh. We get it, right? It's fairly simple, because at some level, it's a cultural acceptance, right, that, that what Jesus is saying here is true, and we ought to follow. And we kind of might, might glance over it and say, yeah, we got it. Thumbs up. I, I can affirm what Jesus is saying, but he puts it in here for a reason. And he puts it in right after divorce. Then he puts it in right before retaliation, which we're going to talk about not next week, but the following week. So, so, so why does he put this in? I think this is an appropriate topic for us um, even today because we live in a culture where it's really, we have a problem of committing. Like we say we're, we're going to do something, but we actually don't really do it. Or if something better comes along, we'll do that thing and find an excuse why not to do the thing that we said we're going to do. So this morning we're gonna talk about a couple of words, buzzwords, trustworthiness, truthfulness, commitment. So I'm gonna give you one sentence to summarize this passage and I'm gonna talk in circles. Not really, I'm not gonna talk in circles, but I'm gonna talk about this one sentence, right? So, So here's my bright idea. You guys are gonna think I'm a genius. So here's, here's, here's the sum of this passage, the, the big takeaway. A 35 minute to 60 minute sermon takeaway, ready? This is Jesus' main point. Do what you say you will do. We got one amen, okay. Let me tell you something. When I said that, you guys should have been hallelujah, amen. There should have been a couple of people running praise labs. I mean, that is a good word. That is something that we should be celebrating. Jonathan comes back, plays a song, na 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 na, and then we sing the song again. And then I say it again. And then you guys go crazy. And then you know we do that for about 30 minutes, and then we walk out of here, and then we go to a Texas Roadhouse. Um, I'm still on the Texas Red House thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna see how far I can go with it. Let's see how far we could go. Maybe a year with the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the sum of the, the sermon. Do what you say you will do. And I struggle with this too sometimes because like, you know, if you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, you should be there. And if you're Hispanic, you're probably 45 minutes late. That is okay, though. That's the exception. That's not in this translation. It's in a different translation. Hispanics are... I can say, for the record, I am Hispanic, so don't... Oh, he's not Hispanic. No, yes, I am. Hablo (laughs) Español. Hispanics are notorious for being late to everything. And also, anyway, I could go on a rabbit trail. Like, we're late, and we always end up right on time when the food is being served because everything we do revolves around food. AKA, don't invite me over if there is no food or if we're not going out to eat. But, but in all seriousness, right, Jesus is telling us, if you're gonna say something, if, if what's gonna come out of your mouth gonna be truthful, then you should be committed to that tr- truthfulness. I, I know that's simple, but in a world and a culture where we're distracted by everything. Mom and dad, the five kids, I think of the Wanciski's back there, they have like seven kids and I think they're going for 12 for the 12 tribes. <laughs> they're sitting back there with the Frisbees. Um, like, like we can, and I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just talking about families, right? Like we can often be distracted by like the sports and the kids and their education. And if we're single and we're college students, like the education and well, the social things that are surrounded by the educational things, right? Like the coffee shops and the hangouts and the Galantines thing, right? If, if we're newlyweds, right? It's all about, oh, we want to be together 24 hours a day and stare at each other's eyes. We can get distracted by so many things. And oftentimes the things that we're distracted by can often lead us away from doing the thing that God has called us to do. And what Jesus is saying here, hey, if you're going to commit to something, do it. If you're going to take a job, you should keep the job. If you're going to be in the marriage, I'm gonna touch upon it later, then you ought to be committed to it. If you're going to be part of a church, be committed to that church. No, seriously though, but be committed, right? Like we want you here to, be, to do life, not, listen, we, it's not about the money. God has blessed us. But we want you. We want you to do life here. We want to go through the pain, the hurt, the frustrations, the anger. We want to go through the marital problems. We want to go through the miscarriage. We want to go through the wayward kid. We, we want to do that with you. Why? Because Jesus shows us how to do those things. We want you. We want your mess. We want all of it. But you've got to be here to be committed to do it. And that's what Jesus is saying, essentially, right? If you're gonna do something, do it. If you're gonna say something, let your character reflect your words. And Jesus is not talking about, right, like swearing on the Bible in a court of law. He's not talking about the Pledge of Allegiance. He's talking about what you say. You know, when I was a kid, Um, the the, kind of the idea of oaths and and vows and, and, and swearing like, you know, here in this passage, he's talking about swearing, swearing on from, on heaven, swearing on the earth and swearing on Jerusalem. And, and that's the equivalent of like what we use today. I, this is when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys did this when, when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, if I wanted to like emphasize or bring credibility to what I said, this is what I would do. I would say, I swear on my mother's grave, right? was my mother wasn't dead, so I was like, "Oh gosh, what are we doing here?" Right? Or so I w- I grew up in Catholic school, right? So what we do is like if if we were if we we're trying to bring a credibility to the thing that we were doing, I would say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, like I swear on my mother's great. I promise you, and I'm doing the sign of the cross. I'm kissing this. I'm kissing that. Like it's like to bring emphasis to the thing that I'm saying. And Jesus is saying you don't have to say that. And the reason why you don't have to bring credibility. You don't have to add any more words to your words is because true followers of Jesus Christ, true citizens of the kingdom of heaven, what they say they will do, you don't have to add any more credibility to it because your character is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. So if your character is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, everything that flows out of your mouth is trustworthy, truthful, reliable, dependable. You don't have to swear. If you're gonna be somewhere, be somewhere. If you say you're gonna do it, do it. Why? Because your character is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not rooted in your capabilities, it's not rooted right, in your power and in your authority. It's not rooted in your intellect or emotion. It's rooted in the character of Jesus Christ, who God conformed you to be by the power of the Spirit. So I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why Jesus is addressing this that I think is helpful for us to kind of wrap our minds around this idea of, of let your yes be yes and your no be no. One, in verse 34, I think Jesus is establishing his authority. He's showing us, hey, you, you've done this, this way in the Old Testament, but I say to you now, right? That's what 34 says. I'm establishing my words, my authority. I'm establishing my credibility to you. And he does that quite simply just by saying, but I say to you. One of the ways that Jesus establishes his authority, if you notice, is his commitment to his word. Right when we think about the Passion Week and the Holy Week, when God said he was going to send his son to die on the cross for our sins, what does God do? Sends him. When Jesus says that I'm going to mediate between you and the Father, and I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb, that I am going to to die, I'm going to be tortured to death so that you can have life, so that, that when you rejected me, I didn't reject you. When he said he was going to do that, he did it. That's how Jesus established his authority. Is that what he says to be true, and he fulfills his promises. The second thing that we see. The second reason why Jesus is addressing this issue to his disciples. Because I think what Jesus is doing is he's, he's, he's wanting us to see something. And this is what he wants us to see. He wants us to see that his standard of integrity and truthfulness have been diminished. And, and I think he's calling the religious leaders out. Because the professional men who, who were paid to know the word, to live out the word, were hypocrites. The men who were supposed to hold the standard of integrity and truthfulness were the very men who were liars and deceitful to their own people. You don't believe me? Let me read Matthew 23. I love Matthew 23 because people think that Jesus was this cool guy. He was sweet. He was like, he was calm and cool and collective. No, Jesus was just as ornery as I was. Not really, but he was, he was tough. Look what he says. Matthew 23 verse 16, woe to you, blind guides. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And if anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it, and anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. What is Jesus saying in that passage? This is what he's simply saying to us as well. He's calling out the religious leaders who diminish God's standard of integrity and diminish God's standard of truthfulness. Because the religious leaders thought that if they didn't swear by God, back in those days, they would swear by God to keep an oath. And that communicated to everyone who was listening or the person that was receiving the word was that I am going to be committed to executing that thing I said. So if you swore by God, it meant that you were going to do it. So the religious leaders being smart as they were, they didn't swear by God because, because they knew that they weren't committed to their words, right? These were liars. These, was, these were the worst scheme artists, right? Like these were the guys that were hustling people. And he knew is that what they did was they were swear by the temple or the gold of the temple. They were swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem because if they swore by those things that they didn't really have to commit to the words that they actually said because they weren't swearing by God. So they use that as a loophole to get out of the very thing that they said they were going to do. And Jesus calls them out on it. Jesus says, no, there is no loophole in your credibility. You don't get out from saying the thing you're going to do. God's standard of truthfulness, God's standard of integrity had been diminished. And how has God's standard of truthfulness been diminished? Well, we know that through sin. Sin has caused us to be untrustworthy, unreliable, To to be disingenuous, that sin has corrupted the way we think, it's corrupted what we feel, it's corrupted our actions. And we need to be reminded that our natural bent is to sin. And Jesus is trying to correct that. He's trying to show us the true citizen of the kingdom, the true disciple of Jesus is one who is committed, trustworthy, reliable to do the thing they said they were going to do. Even when sin has caused in our own hearts, in our own minds, a desire to do something else. I think another reason why Jesus is telling this to his disciples, and I also think he's telling us this this morning, it's because Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. He wants us to be different from the world. Like oftentimes we look at our world and our culture and we admire all the things that they do, but, but hear this, like we ought not to admire what culture and the world, the world says and does. We, we are to love them, we are to care for the world, be part of the world, but we are not of this world. but but he's calling us to a higher standard that's better. True citizens of the kingdom, true followers of Jesus Christ, true Christians are men and women who are full of integrity. Men and women who in their daily conversations are truthful. Men and women who are dependable and genuine in everything that they say and do. Jesus is saying here in the strongest terms we ought to keep what we say we ought to keep our word and the reason why we should keep our word is because who do we reflect when we when we say we're going to do something and not do something we reflect Jesus Jesus Therefore, we reflect him poorly if we're not committed, if we're not dependable, if we're not genuine or reliable. What is an unbelieving world going to say to us if we look just like them? What makes them want to come here? What makes them want to be a Christian if they look at your life and they say, there's no difference between me and you. You're offering me Jesus. You got nothing to offer me. You're treating the wife, your wife the same way I treat my wife. You're treating your husband the same way I treat my husband. You talk the same way I talk. You act the same way I act. You look the same way I look. What makes you different? Nothing. This applies to every single person. This applies to the people who, who are married. If you're married, listen to me, look at me. You made a vow. Keep it. If you said you were going to love them, to death do you part. Do it. Don't give me the excuse. I'm not physically attracted to them. I'm not mentally attracted to them. I'm not emotionally connected to them anymore. Um, He doesn't dress the way I like him to dress. He looks like that in the morning. Yeah, we know. Because he came in here like that. Right? Like, she... She doesn't look the same way she did 20 years ago yeah but she also birthed all those kids and she is your wife and you're to love her he doesn't provide for me the way he used to he used to do this and used to do that he doesn't do that anymore you chose i mean you made that decision what did you think that your marriage year one was going to look the same in year 25 i could have told you that i'm not even married Right married people and we can talk about all we can talk about divorce and abuse. We can talk about all those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just normal married people stuff. I don't feel it anymore. Yeah, good. Now get to the, get to the meat of your marriage, connect spiritually. Young people stay committed to your work and education. If you take the job, keep the job. It may not be your long lasting career. We get it. But if you're, gonna, if you're gonna make a commitment to do something, see it through, be committed to what you say. Congregates, members of the chapel, if you're a member here, be committed here. If you don't like it, and you don't think that the guy up there that preaches on Sunday morning ain't that good, trust me, he knows. (laughs) He's well aware. (laughs) But if you if you find yourself torn to somewhere else, go where the spirit leads you, but but be committed here. Especially with all the statistics, ever since the pandemic, like one people come to church 1.5 times a month. Are you kidding me? Growing up, if I went to church 1.5. If I went to church 1.5 times a month, I would be in the grave because there was this one time I told my dad, I'm not going to church. And he said, oh, you're not going to church. (laughs) I love my dad. He said, don't go to church. And there's there's a tone, you know, kids, you know, your parents, if there's the tone, you know something bad's going to happen. Let me tell you, I ran upstairs, I got dressed I was ready before him, because I knew what it meant when he said, don't go to church. And then he says, oh, I thought you weren't going to church. And I said, no, I'm going to church now. <laughs> you, you didn't have to. You just had to say it once. And I'm, <laughs> I'm still in church. How about that? Look at that. I'm still in church because my dad. Because <laughs> if he finds out I'm not in church, he's coming after me at 80 years old. <laughs> Parents, here, here, here's the, the, the illustration for you a couple of weeks, we're going to have Mother's Day, right? Oh, a couple of weeks, a couple of months? Yeah, another two months. And every year, we have Mother's Day, and there'll be, there'll be parents lined up all on the stage with their kids, and their kids are screaming bloody murder for whatever reason. And then the parents are standing there holding them, and they're like awkwardly smiling, and they're like, I don't want anybody to know that my kids are a savage, but I'm going to try to sue them. <laughs> no, your kids are savages. Trust me. We- there's nothing to hide here. We know who they are. We know who you are. It's fine. Let them scream bloody murder. But 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 they're gonna be up there and then they're all going to to we're gonna pray over them. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna commission them, right? But but what are they saying with their words and their actions? That they're going to dedicate their entire life to seeing Christ be formed in their child's life. From the day they're born to their last dying breath, they're going to make every effort that Christ would be the center of that child's life. Come hell or high water, they're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in the life of their child. If you make that proclamation here in that church, this is what that verse applies, this is how this verse applies to you, then do it. Don't make the excuses. I hear a lot of parents making excuses of why their kids are not serving the Lord or why they're not doing that. They're under your household. Joshua says what? For me and my house, we would serve the Lord. Is it Joshua? Okay, good. Right, like if if you're going to dedicate the time and effort to raising a child and say to the church, I'm going to be committed to raising them, then do it. You have no control over their salvation. God will call them out of the darkness into his marvelous light when it's the appropriate time that he does it. But you have to make every effort in your life to make sure that they know the gospel. And men, fathers, there is no business, no business in our church that men do not make disciples out of their own children. Men, you should be praying and you should be reading scripture with your wife and your children all the time. That's the easy way. Just start reading scripture. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know any of the institutes. You don't have to go to seminary. What you got to do is just open up your mouth, read the word, proclaim the good news, and at a two-year-old tell him, you need Jesus, and I'm going to show you what Jesus looks like, and I'm going to screw up every time, but I'm committed to seeing your spiritual life grow because it is better for you to know Jesus than to live an eternity without Jesus, and then you have to look back in your life and say, man, I wish I could have done this. I hear it all the time from parents I should have done this. I should have done that. And they give me a thousand excuses of why their kids don't come to church and give me a thousand reasons why they're not serving the Lord. And it's like, they're your kids. They're under your authority and leadership. What are we doing here? This is the different. I mean, I don't know. I don't have kids and I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but there's no excuse. I'm sorry. No excuse. I don't want to hear it that like my kids, my kids are doing this. My kids are doing that. I don't know what to do. Take the phone away. Take the money away. Take the car away. Like disciple them to know Jesus in a loving and a kind way, pointing them to Jesus, not being overbearing, loving them and being kind. Let the Lord do the work. All right. Sorry. I'm getting off. Woo. Getting hot in here. Sometimes I just want to drive a point. Here's here's another example where this applies to us individually, all of us collectively as well. Show the world, show the world your faith in Jesus by being committed to doing what God has called you to do in the place he's called you to be, wherever that is. I'm sure there's a lot of questions, right? There's a lot of doubt. What am I supposed to be doing? What, what, where am I supposed to be going? Uh, How do I do this? Should I change the job? Should I leave the job? Should, should I get out of this relationship? Should I, you know, whatever it is, buy the house, move, move here. Be committed to doing whatever God's called you to do right now. And then pray to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to do anything until you provide the wisdom in some form or fashion. Wherever you're at, be committed, be faithful. It's easy. You may not like it, but it's good and right to do. Because that's what God wants you to do. Here's another last point. Another reason why Jesus is teaching this to his disciples and teaching us this morning by keeping alls and promises that we make. I love this part. Jesus is reminding us of God's character of integrity and trustworthiness. When we think about what God has done in the Old Testament, think about the story of Moses. When he told Moses, I'm going to save you and I'm going to destroy the world, but I'm not going to destroy it again with a flood. Think about the story of Abraham, where he says, I'm going to give you a child and you are going to be the father of many nations. Think be, remember that whatever God has said in the old Testament, he has completed every word that God spoke. He kept it. What did he tell David? I'm going to, to bring someone who's going to sit on your throne forever. Did he not accomplish his word? So when we read this passage, we're reminded of God's faithfulness. We're reminded of his trustworthiness. We're reminded of his reliability, his genuineness in his words, that he has done everything he said he will do and has done far above that we could ever imagine. Imagine that. The God who calls us to be committed, to be reliable, the God who calls us to keep our word is the same God who has done it himself when he didn't have to. We were the ones who cheated on him. We were the ones that said, We don't want you. And what does he say? I still love you. I still care for you. I'm committed to my word. I'm committed to my character because my character is rooted in who I am. Therefore, I'm going to stay right here. That is a powerful demonstration of the character of God that he has remained faithful. He has remained reliable. He has remained dependable when you and I every day are not. That is the power of the God that we serve. And I don't know any other God that can do that or has done that or will do that. As we think about this passage. I'm sure people are questioning. I think think I'm trustworthy. I think I'm reliable. I think I'm dependable. I think... Here's a good way to measure that thing out. Ask the people around you, your wife, your husband, your kids. Ask your coworkers, your friends. Ask them. Can you see this passage in my life? And if they say no, there's grace and mercy for you. (laughs) Repent and say, "All right, this day forward, I'm going to be committed." Maybe you're in this room and you haven't been completely committed to your faith. But you've been just playing games. You, you've been in and out. You, you don't necessarily read or pray. You, you, you don't necessarily want to be part of a group. You, you don't want to be part of an ABF. That's too, that's too much of a commitment every Sunday morning. Like, you, you don't want accountability. Like, you're playing it safe. Like, I'll come on Sunday morning, I'll take a couple of notes, but the rest of the week is just going to look the same. Maybe it's time for you to step up to the plate. Maybe it's time for you to say, I'm going to be all in on this because the, 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 that's the better gamble in my opinion, right? Like all in on Jesus. Let's pray. Why don't you take a moment and ask the Lord to search your heart. Ask him to reveal the places in your heart and your mind and your life in which you're not... You, this, this passage isn't vibrant in you. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your parenting, maybe, maybe it's something at your work or the lack thereof. Why don't you ask the Lord to reveal it to you and then, and then tell him how sorry you are and how you want him to change your heart and your mind and your actions so that you can be like Jesus. God, thank you for your word, that your word is a light unto our feet and our path. God, would you show us the places in our hearts and minds in which we have not completely surrendered to you, the places in our hearts and our minds and our actions that require a better dedication, whether in our faith, our marriage, our jobs, our relationships. God, we're also reminded and we're also grateful how committed, trustworthy you are. Committed and trustworthy that you would even send your son to die on the cross so that you can give us life. As we celebrate the Holy Week, Lord, would you bring to mind every every moment that you've been faithful to us? Would you also remind us that The death, burial, and resurrection of your son Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to live a victorious life, a life that looks very much like this passage. God change us and mold us to be like Jesus, your son. We pray this in God's precious name, Jesus Christ, and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 AM. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.